Well, good morning, New Hope Church. Good to see you all, and thank you, worship team, for this morning. It's a fantastic time of of worship. Uh, welcome. If we have met, my name is Ryan, the lead pastor here, and uh, super excited to continue our series today talking about my crazy uh, family. Uh, speaking of family, before I get there, though, this morning I came down and I was sporting this nice little New Hope shirt, and one of my daughters was like, gosh, Dad, casual Sunday, huh? You know, kind of a thing. So I'm like, well, I'm trying to be the walking billboard. So we are getting rid of the last of the New Hope clothing store items. We only have six uh, shirts left. And I believe a hat, and that's and that's it. And uh, what we're also doing, though, besides just kind of getting rid of the last of inventory that we have, is we're promoting the New Hope Drama Ministry. This is a new ministry we've launched here in the last probably three or four months, uh, where the heart behind is, the ministry is using drama as a tool to communicate truth. And so uh, this new ministry, the big project in 2019, is they're going to be doing a music, not musical, but a, a, a dinner theater production, Christmas production in November. And so uh, I mentioned all of that because. 100% of the proceeds for the shirts go to that ministry to help them get started. You know, there's equipment involved and things like that. And, and also, uh, the people there at the table are part of the ministry, so you can ask them questions about it and get to know that ministry a little bit. So, uh, six shirts, one hat. Don't do a stampede after the service to, to go you know, check them out, but uh, they're available for you here this morning. Like I said, my crazy family. Uh, week two, we are jumping into this series. We're talking about family. We're we're really looking at what does God's word say about, about this topic. And we're hitting lots of different areas because you know as well as I do that family is uh, it's messy. Uh, it's beautiful. It's, it's sometimes crazy and everything in between. And so we want to just uh, take this on, look at some different topics, get God's perspective on it, and hopefully help us. Now last week we launched the series and last week was all about marriage. And so if you missed that message, you can go back on Facebook or uh, podcast or the church website and check that out. Today's message, we're going to be focusing on kids, your kids. Uh, now, if you're like, well, I'm not a parent, so check out, you know, that's not for me. Um, no, that's not, that's not the case. This is something, this is, this is for everybody. So whether you're a parent this morning, uh, or maybe for you, you're a grandparent, and you're in that stage of life, and uh, what a great opportunity for you to disciple and invest in your grandkids. Maybe you're uh, an aunt or an uncle, or maybe you're just somebody that has influence in the lives of other youth. If that's you, which I think pretty much covers all of us here in this room, then this is a message, uh, this is a message for you. This is something for all of us to, to lean into this morning. Now, here's our big question for this morning. The question that we want to tackle is this. How can I, how can you, how can we together, how can we leverage life's moments to disciple our kids? That's the question. How do we leverage the moments of life to disciple our kids. Now, having said that, there are times, and it's highly appropriate and even encouraged, where as a family that you, you know, strategically program or structure time where you sit down and you say, we're going we're gonna to work through a book of the Bible or we're going to go through this devotional book or we're going to do something as a family together to, 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 to talk about Scripture and, and to have these kinds of conversations with kids. That's great, but that's actually not what we're talking about today. I want to set that aside and say, what about the unscripted moments of life. What about the moments of life where you're going along and all of a sudden the opportunity or the teachable moment presents itself and there it is and it's there for you to grab in order to leverage that moment to invest and disciple your kid. Uh, so, for example, um, you are picking up your child from school, and you go through the car line, your son or daughter gets in the car, and tears will start flowing. What happened? What's going on? Well, it turns out nobody played with him or her at recess, and they're hurting. So what do you say? 
in that moment. Or they're a little older and you run into them after school and you found out or they found out they didn't make the school play or the ball team. And they're disappointed and crushed. They work so hard for it. Or how do you help your son or daughter when they're dealing with that bully at school? At school, And it's, it's just making life miserable. It's just a frustrating day over and over. They don't even want to go to school anymore. Again, what do you say in those moments that present itself? Or how about if your kid is the bully? What do you say? See, these kinds of things give us the opportunity to take the moments of life and the experiences that we all go through and, and, and to take that and to, and to pull together Scripture and God's character and pull, bring them together to disciple and help your child to grow and mature through these seasons of life. This is, about, this is about leveraging life's moments to do this. And here's why this is so important. Because I think it's too small a goal to strive as a parent or grandparent to raise good kids. That's too small a goal. The target should be raising godly kids. That's the goal. That's what we want to be after. And so again, how do we do that? And so this morning what I want to do is, is look at some scriptures with that and, and uh, give you some tools and some ideas, some kind of how-tos that if you're a parent, you can apply them today. If you're a grandparent, can, can I just encourage you, if you're a grandparent here today, so many times those are just missed opportunities where sometimes grandparents don't see the vision of influence they have in the lives of their grandkids. But, but, but you do. And so as, if you're a grandparent this morning, leveraging this as well to say, I want to apply this right now into my life and the lives of the kids that God has planted in my life. Aunt, uncle, again, a, a, an adult of influence, this is for you. So uh, if you have your Bible, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's where we're going to start this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Obviously, we'll have the scriptures on the screen behind. Uh, if you have a tablet or smartphone, uversion.com. If you have the app downloaded, you can follow along on the Bible there on that app there. As you're turning there, uh, I want to just give a step, take a step back and, and get some foundation because you heard me say the key question this morning is how do we le leverage life's moments to disciple our kids or grandkids? Maybe you're thinking this morning, what do you mean disciple? Like, I don't even know what that means. Well, let's, let's unpack that because this is an important distinction and idea that we have to develop. If you have a bulletin, hopefully you do, on the back side, here's your first fill in the blank. This is a biblical definition. A disciple is a learner. That's what the word means. If you want to impress your friends at a dinner party, the Greek word is methetes. It's a unique word just in scripture there where it's talking about being a learner. Now, here's the important thing to, to highlight with this. It doesn't mean to learn and just learning information. That's not what it means. It really means to be more of an apprentice. Let me draw a distinction a little more than that. Imagine a scenario where you, you take a history class. So you sign up for a history class. When you go take a history class, high school, community college, whatever the case may be, you're provided a history teacher. Now, 9.99 times out of 10, you're taking the class to learn history, and so you want to know what the teacher knows. So, so they're imparting knowledge to you, and you learn from the teacher about, in this case, history. That's not what methetes is. Yes, you're a learner of history, but that's not what we're talking about. Because 9.99 times out of 10, you are not taking that history class in order to learn from the history teacher to be just like the history teacher. That's not what you're doing. You just give me the details, take the test, I want to move on. That's how it works. That's not methetes. But in contrast, methetes is more like an apprentice, where you would, let's say you want to be an electrician, you become an apprentice to an electrician. Why? In order to know what the electrician knows, to be able to do what the electrician does. You're an apprentice. That's what this word means. 
And here's why this is so important. Because we think about what it means to be a Christian. It's not about just knowing what the Bible says. Yeah, it's important. But that's not everything. That's really not even what discipleship is. It's more than that. It's actually being an apprentice to Jesus. It's not just knowing what he knows, but it's learning from him so that you can be like him and do what he did. That's what it means. Discipleship is about becoming more and more like Jesus. And similarly, when we talk about making disciples, which we'll look at that later on this morning, we talk about making disciples, that's what this is about. Making disciples is far more than just educating people. It's about helping people also know who Jesus is, becoming more like Jesus, so they in turn can then live out and do what he did and help other people become disciples as well. That's what it looks like. So that's the difference. So a disciple is a learner, but it's more like an apprentice. Now I share all of this. Now let's take all this we just talked about and plop it into the parenting world. And here's what we get. Here's your next fill in the blank. Because this is, this is so important here. Because when it comes to discipling your kids, this is what I'm convinced at. Is that every parent is good at discipling their kids. Now maybe hearing that you're like, no, I would push back on that. I can think of plenty of examples of not good, you know, this, that, how is that the case? The reason I say that every parent is good at discipling their child is because every parent has influence in the life of their child. Uh, how about this for an example? How many of you, parents, grandparents, doesn't matter, aunts and uncles, you've had that experience where you have, you have been with your kid and all of a sudden you see your kid say something and then you cringe because you say the same thing. Or they do something, you're like, oh no, that was me. Like they learned that from me and uh, that's not good, right? We've all had that moment, haven't we, where that happens. Why? Because God's design is such that parent, grandparent, whatever the case may be, you have influence in the life of your child. See, the question is not, am I discipling my son or daughter? The question is, who are you discipling them to be like? That's the question. Because you are influencing them. You absolutely are every time. What kind of influence are you having? What are you discipling them toward? That is the question. And I remember just a, a quick memory that has stuck with me. And it's, it's largely, it's like it's totally insignificant. But it made an impression on me uh, years and years ago. Um, Laura and I were on vacation. We only had Sean and Megan, our two oldest at the time. Sean was maybe three. Megan was in a stroller. And I remember we were walking around. We were at a park or something. And I was kind of running around. And Sean was behind me. And as I was running in this grass field, there was a sprinkler hole. So, of course, I found it and stepped in the sprinkler hole and, and fell. I just did an endo and, you know, did a face plant and fell down. Didn't get hurt, nothing like that. Just, you know, it's the kind of thing where you look up, like, who noticed, you know, kind of a thing. And so I, I'm running, and he's behind me, and I fall. And then I get up, and here comes little Sean, you know, coming along. And he didn't step in the sprinkler hole, but at the same spot approximately, he just falls. Boom. No reason, but what was he doing? He was imitating dad because dad, you know, bit the dust, so I might as well do it too, right? And this, this memory, this picture of they're watching. They're watching. Of course they're watching. We, we know this, right? More is caught than taught. I mean, we, we know that's the case, and so they're watching how we live. They're watching what we do. I don't know about you, but that's convicting, and that's scary, that's, that's all those things, you know, kind of combined. And, and parenting is hard work, and nobody does it perfectly. 
mom and dad and grandparent, the, the task ahead and the role that God has for you and, and, and for me, and this is a big deal. Again, you have influence. How are you discipling your son, daughter, nephew, niece? When we, when we leverage the moments of life, when we're able to, to spot those and use those to disciple our kids, you know we're actually doing ministry like Jesus did it? Because yes, Jesus had times when he prepared things and he gave talks and you read through the gospels and there's moments like that. But there was also a lot of times as Jesus was going along, moments would just happen and he grabbed a hold of them and he would use them to, in this case, and oftentimes to disciple his disciples, to invest in them. I'll give you a couple examples. Luke chapter 21. You don't have to turn there or anything, but, but, but there in Luke 21, Jesus, it's his, his last week of life, and he's in Jerusalem. He's on the Temple Mount. It's a Tuesday, and he's sitting there, and his disciples are around him too. And on this busy Temple Mount, there's lots of people you could imagine, they have the big offering drums. And so people would come at these big drums, and they would drop their financial offering into that uh, at the temple. And so he's watching people drop drop money in. And along comes this widow who's, who's clearly poor, and she takes these two copper coins, which the economics of it, it comes out to, they both were probably worth less than a penny. I mean, a financial of no account. But she comes up and she drops those two coins in, and Jesus watches this. And when he sees this, he sees there's a moment. That's a teachable moment. So what does he do? He says, hey, guys, guys, disciples, come, come gather around. So he pulls them around. He says, did you, you just see what happened? They're like, yeah, yeah, the woman came, dropped some coins. What's the big deal? He said, no, no, no. She's a widow. And she just gave everything she had. You talk about trusting God. You talk about putting yourself in a position of God. Now I'm completely dependent on you. And he used that moment to, to talk about worship and trusting God. He, he used that moment to talk about kingdom economics and how it's different than the way the world thinks about riches. Or how about another example in Mark chapter 10? And in Mark chapter 10, you've got the scene of the disciples there together and two of the disciples are brothers, James and John. And so these two brothers get into this fight. Now, some of you are like, I got multiple kids. I know exactly what that is, right? And they're, and they're fighting and they're arguing about who's the greatest and who's gonna be the greatest. And they're kind of jockeying for the best position. And, and the other disciples hear about this and they're, and they're mad. And so there's, there's this big fight that, that erupts. And, and here Jesus is like, okay, what's going on? here and so he pulls the guys together and he finds out what happens and he uses that again teachable moment he says guys guys you're thinking about this all wrong see I, I know in the world like power and authority and there's rank and there's all this kind of stuff he says when it comes to the kingdom it's totally upside down uh, and and those that serve are the greatest and the first they're actually last and those they're last and of little account they're actually first teachable moment See, Jesus would come along and he leveraged these moments to disciple the men, the people, the women in his life that were around him. And this is something that you and I can do as well. And we also see this commanded in scripture. So if you're now in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Old Testament, fifth book of the Bible, chapter 6, uh, this is where I want to pick up this morning because we see here just some good prescriptive scriptures on how you and I can also think about Think about discipling our kids. Now, this chapter is an important chapter. Within chapter 6, not the whole chapter, but within it, there's a section of verses called the Shema. And the Shema for the Jewish people are critical verses. These are verses that are uh, they're, they're the, the linchpin, if you will, for the entire Old Testament. 
And they, any good Jew at the time of Jesus, in the Old Testament even before that, they would recite the Shema every morning, every, mean, every evening, and throughout the day. I mean, it was just on their minds constantly. They were reciting it. They were, they were uh, just hanging on to these verses. And even Jewish people to this day, these are key verses. And so let's take a look at these because there's some key principles here that we can pick up for ourselves. So we're going to pick up in verse 4, as you see on the screen behind. Look what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, literally in the Hebrew language here, which is what this is written in, what this means is this. It means the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. In other words, there is one God and we worship one God. That's the declaration. There is one God and we worship him. He is one God who we worship. He continues on. He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In other words, we're to love God with everything we have. We're to love God wholeheartedly without reservation. Now, if this verse sounds familiar, it's because Jesus picked up on this. Remember in the New Testament, Jesus was asked, what's the most important scripture in all the, all the, uh, all the Old Testament? And Jesus went to this and he said, it's to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Did you know Jesus actually added a fourth one to it? To love your God with all your mind. And so that's why it sounds familiar. And so we have this picture here again that we are to love God wholeheartedly. See, this, this verse answers the question, what are you living for? What's most important? I hope it's more than just work and paying the bills and that kind of stuff. I mean, what, what are you living for? And the answer to the question is that we are to live to love God with everything we have. That's the answer to the question. So what does it have to do with our topic today? Here's your next fill in the blank. And this is so important. See, we are called to help our kids love God wholeheartedly. Here it is. Discipling your kids, it's really less about behaving better. And it's more about loving God. Did you catch that? See, as a parent myself, it is so easy to fall into the place of behavior management, isn't it? It's so easy to fall into the place of control and trying to uh, capture behavior, forgetting the heart that's underneath it, forgetting where they're, where they're at spiritually. And here's why this is so important. If you can shepherd your kids to love God, then chances are overwhelmingly sure that their behavior will follow. But if you work on your kids and behavior management and try to, try to manage their behavior, the chances are that's not going to lead them to love God. Did you catch that? This is so important. Parent, first and most, grandparent, our goal in discipling our kids is to help our kids love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the target. That's the bullseye. Remember, we want to raise godly kids, not just good kids. That's the key. It's not about behavior management. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. So upon that foundation, then, so we help, help the kids in our life, the youth in our life, to love God. Then we go to verse 6. Let's keep going. Building on this, it says this, continuing on the Shema. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Let me pause there real quick. If you have your Bible open, underline those words. Your children. Parents. Your kids are your responsibility, spiritually. 
It's not the responsibility first of the church to disciple your children. The church is a resource. The church is a, a community to come alongside, but it's ultimately not the responsibility of the church. God has placed parents in that role to do this. So again, so impress them on your children and talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your, on your foreheads. And so again, on this foundation of, of love, helping children love God wholeheartedly, then we see this picture here of, 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 of in all the seasons and moments of life of helping our kids learn more how to follow Jesus and what that means. We love him and now we're going to talk about how to live for him, how to be like him. And so we have this picture here and all these different scenarios. Talk about them. Talk about the Lord when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And we would say the same thing. When you get up in the morning, in the evening before bed, when you're in the car driving there, when you're going through the drive-through going there, as you're all these different places of life, those are the moments to invest and to train. Those are the moments to be talking about uh, scripture and talking about the Lord and, and trying to bring, bring the, the, the details of the lives of the children you love to the truth of scripture and pull them together. That's the goal, to be doing that. Now, I want to take us to another verse that talks about the same thing. The New Testament, Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You can just look at there on the screen. This is the, the Great Commission. This is Jesus talking. And he's already died. He's already been raised from the dead. He's, he's sharing really his last words. And this is the, the commission to the church. This is your commission and mine too. This is what we're to be about and what we're to go after. But look with me at what he says. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the commission continues, but I just want to stop here for this morning. Because what I want to do is zero in on one of those words. And the word I want to zero in on is the word go. Because in the Greek language, it's actually the first word that shows up. Literally, the Great Commission says, going therefore, and it continues on, make disciples. The word going is important. Because the word go, in fact, it's your next fill in the blank. Here it is. It literally means, as you are already going. See, the Great Commission reads like this. Jesus talking, as you are already going in life, make disciples. Now, why is this important? Because discipleship is not necessarily, now it could be, but it's not necessarily about adding another program to your life or another thing to your life. What it's really saying here is as you're going in life, as you're doing the things you already do, make disciples. As you're going to work, make disciples. As you are at work, make disciples. As you are running kids to, to soccer practice, make disciples. As you're in your neighborhood, make disciples. You get the idea. As you're already doing the things you do, as God has placed you in a spot and there you are in that place, the commission, the command is make disciples there. And I hope this is um, a relief to you. Because sometimes, I mean, we're Americans. What does that mean? We're busy. That's what we do, right? We live on adrenaline. We're go, go, go. That's how it is. And so sometimes the idea of, well, make disciples. Okay, now I've got to do this. I've got to add this to my already full plate, and that feels overwhelming. What this is saying is the only thing you need to add is intentionality to what you're already doing. Because you leverage the things you do anyway to invest in the lives of people. As you are going make disciples. As you are parenting already, switch the mindset. 
be a little more intentional and start investing in the kids God has entrusted to you or continue investing, whatever the case may be, as you are already going. So as we close, I want to I close with two ideas. Uh, two action steps, two, two things that, that you can do, again, whether you're a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, teacher, it doesn't matter, that you can do today to begin to put some of this into practice. Two things. Here's the first one as we close. Number one, I want to encourage us all, be observant. Be observant. What, what this means is, is simply pay attention. Pay attention to the kids that are in your life. Pay attention to, to who they are and, and where they're at in life. Strive to, to know them. They're always changing. They're always growing. They're not just static. I mean, it's, 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 it's not that we pay attention last week and then we tune out for a while. I mean, we're just constantly aware and paying attention. Because here's why. And this is important. Next fill in the blank is this. So that you and I, we can love the kids we have, not the kids we want. Love the kids you have, not the kids you want. What this means is sometimes your kids will drive you crazy. Sometimes your kids will make you want to pull your hair out. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just be real. Like, sometimes, sometimes you're, you're the child you have, you're so frustrated, you're not sure you like them very much. I mean, you love them. But you're not sure, you just, it's just, it's tough and, and, and it's hard. And sometimes, sometimes we, we can check out or sometimes we can have just different approaches. But we don't want to withhold discipleship from the kids that we have because they're not the kids we want at that moment. We don't stop. We love the kids we have, not the kids that we want. And we continue to invest in them. And so we observe where they're at. We observe um, their heart. We observe who they're spending time with, their relationships. We pay attention to their own situation in terms of where they're at. You know, some kids, I mean, all these kids are different. And some kids, they just put so much pressure on themselves. And they're hard on themselves or perfectionist. And they just, they beat themselves up. And they're, and they're just, it's just, you can just see it in their countenance. We need to notice that. We need to pay attention to that. And be aware of where the kids are at that we love and care for. And you know, too, if you're a parent here or even grandparent and, and there's more than one kid in the family, that's, um, there is a, well, let's just call it a 99.9s forever percent chance that each kid you have will be different, right? And so it's not like I've paid attention and I've, I've got the first one, the oldest I got down. Like I know him or her, that makes sense to me. I, I get their personality and so all my kids should be the same, right? And I treat them the same and I just, that's just how we roll here. You know that's not true. And so if you have multiple kids, you know that you have to pay attention even more. You have to notice that each of my kids are their own people. That's true in our family, and we have extremes. I mean, they're not even close to each other in personality. So it's more work. It's paying attention to that and being observant to who they are. Not who we think they should be, but who they are today to meet them in that place, to leverage the moments of life to help them. It's also, as we talk about being observant, it's just being observant to the stuff of life of paying attention to those moments that present themselves, that you can grab that moment and use that moment to bring them back to the person, nature, and character of God. Here's the second tool. So be observant, and here's the second one. Be prepared. Be prepared. Now, what this doesn't mean is that you, um, every morning, kind of write out talks, little sermonettes. Okay, so... If daughter X does this, I pull out this message. You know, if my son says that, I'm ready for this one. That's not what this means at all. 
What this means is far different, and this is important, and, and maybe it's going to be a little convicting. Here it is. Be prepared, mom, dad, grandparent, whatever the case may be, in your own heart and in your own relationship with God. Because here's the principle. The principle is this. You can't pass along to another person what you yourself do not have. Can't do it. And so you need to be walking with God. And you need to be hearing from him. And, and you need to know at least a little bit around scripture to be able to share scripture. And you need to be in prayer. And in prayer for all kinds of things, but certainly prayer for your kids. So that you have his heart. And you have his perspective. See, Mom and dad, we've got to be ready, as scriptures talk about in 1 Peter 3, to give a reason for the hope that we have. And we have to be prepared in our own walk with God to be able to do this. And so how do you get prepared? Well, it's about reading scripture. It's about praying. And I'm glad we're here on Sunday and Sunday mornings are important, but if this is the only time you're getting scripture in your life, that's not enough. I mean, think of this like a meal. And Sunday morning could be a great buffet and you come and get filled up and I hope you do and I hope you leave encouraged. But could you imagine in your physical life if you had one meal a week? Some of you, it's like Sunday afternoon, your stomach's gurgling already, like you're just ready for more food, right? I mean, and you get to Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, there's nothing in you. Sometimes we're spiritually anemic because there's no fuel in the tank. We've got to be in the Word. You, you've got to be. And not, not just books about the Word, I mean in Scripture where you're reading this. And so parent, you're getting prepared and you're drinking this up so that you're ready. So building new habits. This is also where new hope comes along aside of you as parents. This is where a small group is so important. We'll be launching those here in a month or so and talking about small groups, but, but being a part of a small group where you're not walking through all this alone or classes that we have, or how about you heard Michelle talking earlier about Leadership Live. There's an insert in your bulletin. The workshops are in there. Do you notice one of those workshops is all about uh, how to, uh, uh, to reach and raise your kids to love Jesus. That's exactly what we're talking about. And so we have these opportunities. And I would encourage you, if this is a topic you're like, this is good, and this is where I'm at, and this is what I need to know more, this is where you sign up for Leadership Live, and you, you come on a Saturday morning, and you get all those tools and encouragement and resource and, and prayer support and all of that. That's why this is important. And so the church can come alongside, but, but this is about you and me being prepared. Now, as we close, if you're still this morning, you're thinking like, yeah, but I don't know where to start, though. I still feel overwhelmed. Let me close with this. I think when it comes to parenting, there are some key truths, or even grandparenting, of course, the key truths that every kid should know. And I think it, it's our job to instill this in the lives of our kids. This is just my opinion, so take it for what it's worth. But here are the four things I think every kid should know, and we as parents should instill this in the lives of our kids. Number one, I, I think every kid needs to know that there is a God that is real and loves them. I think that's important. I think second, I think every kid needs to know that Jesus came to save sinners. Because this introduces the gospel and it begins to help them understand their place in the gospel account of why Jesus came and who they are in relationship to him. I think it's important that every kid know that, that God that exists wants a personal relationship with them. You talk about imparting value to them, not by what they do, but just who they are. God loves you and God wants a relationship with you. And then finally, number four, I think every, every son or daughter, grandchild that we have, they should know, they should know that, that you can 
whatever circumstances you're going through in life, you can trust God. I think that's important. And so when you just take just those four ideas and you leverage those four ideas, you can help your kids, disciple your kids and help them leverage life and leverage those moments to learn more about who God is. So for example, your son or daughter comes to you and, or you just see it and observe it and you see that they're dealing with anxiety and fear. Then you know what you could do? You can come to them and you say, you know what, I, I just see that in your life and I get it as you're just sharing with me with things you're going through. Because let's be honest, those teen years, especially middle school, good night. I mean, those are hard years. And so helping your child. And so as they're sharing these experiences they're going through, then you can say, but you know what, I just want to remind you that there is a God who exists and who is real. And because he exists, you know what that means? That means he is sovereign, faithful, good, kind, and he's in your corner. And you're not walking alone through this. Or what if your child, speaking of loneliness, comes to you and says, I just, I just feel alone. I don't have friends. I'm struggling. I, I'm the one that sits on the bummer bench, as we call it at our home, the bummer bench at, at the playground because you just nobody's playing with you. What if that's their experience? You just say, I recognize that is really hard, and that's really, really painful. But you know, there's a God that loves you and wants a relationship with you. And, and as you're going through those moments and even sitting on that bench, I just want to remind you, you're not alone. He's with you through all those moments of life. Or what if you have a son or daughter, especially those that are older age, past high school, into college, young adult, and they're facing big life decisions. What do I do about this or what do I do about that? I'm just reminding them again. You, you know what, I just, I just want to encourage you and remind you that there is a God who's real, who loves you, wants a relationship with you. And, and guess what? You can trust him. He'll lead you. So, so keep, keep looking to him. Keep trusting him. You see how this works? Just four ideas. And reminding your children in the moments of life, bringing them back to the person, nature, character of God, the truth of scripture, to help them understand how to navigate that. So I want to invite the band to come on up. We're going to close here in just a moment. And, and what we're going to do as we close is, is I want to take a moment of time for, for you to pray for the kids in your life or the grandkids or the nieces and nephews or the children that you know. I know you do that anyway, but I think just taking some time right now to say, God, thank you for putting them in my life. And God, help me to be a person who can spot and leverage the moments of life to disciple my kids. Help me to do that. Because this is a really, really big deal. Last thought. I think we need to fire ourselves, and I'm speaking to myself too. Let's fire ourselves from this idea that we have to be a perfect parent. Because we know that doesn't exist, right? So let's let that go. But, but consider this thought. That the, the son or daughter that you have, the grandkids that you have, whatever the case may be, God in his sovereignty and in his wisdom. And we know from Acts chapter 17 that it, it talks about how, how God in the history of the world intentionally plans the place and time for, for you and everybody else to be born in. Why? So that they may come to know him in relationship. God is, is not haphazardous. He plans all this. And so while you and I may not be perfect parents or grandparents or whatever the case may be, you are perfectly suited by God's design, sovereignty, and call for the kids you do have. He could have placed them in any other family. But he gave them to you. They're yours. For a season of life, you get them to love them and to invest in them, and to pray for them. Uh, what, what a gift. And, and what a sign of, of, of just God's favor on your life. 
And so let's leverage these moments. Let's grab a hold of them. I know life is crazy and family is crazy as we're talking about, but leveraging these moments to help our children not just be good kids, to be godly kids. Let's pray together. So what I want to do again, I just want to give you some moments, just you and God, just present it to him and pray for the kids, the grandkids that are in your life. Let's, let's pray together as we close. Father, I often say that uh, I did my best parenting before I had kids. It's hard work. It's humbling work. Uh, but, but Lord, it's important. And I pray that for each one of us in this room, that we would, uh, by your enabling and strength, that we would leverage the moments of life to disciple our kids. We thank you for them. We thank you for the children that you've placed around us, the grandchildren and nieces and nephews and, and just other kids that we have opportunity to interact with and, and be around, to leverage those moments to invest into them. Lord, this morning, we just confess that we, we don't have it in us in ourselves, but Lord, with your enabling, this can happen. And so, Father, we entrust ourselves to you. And we thank you ahead of time for how you're gonna lead us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, before I get off the stage, let's mention one more thing. Uh, this morning, uh, Aaron Conley, who's a member here at New Hope Church, is it's her last Sunday with us, and uh, God's called her to South Carolina. And so when the service is over, if you'd like to be a part of it, we're going to have a prayer time in this corner over here. We just want to pray for her and commission her out uh, as she heads on a new adventure and uh, for God's favor in her life. And so, again, if you'd like to be a part of that after the service is done, you're welcome to come join us in that corner.